episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast, one of the coldest episodes of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. And it's the, as we're recording it, it's the day after the saddest Mardi Gras on record. So, wah, 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 wah. but anyway, actually, mm, you know, uh, but it will be, uh, next year will be, will be better. You know, that's just what it is. Uh, yeah. But man, I tell you, seeing, you know, footage of, well, first of all, we drove down St. Charles, you know, yesterday looking at some house floats. Um, yeah, because I took a couple hours off of work. And uh, then, of course, seeing footage that uh, they're showing, you know, down St. Charles towards uh, the French Quarter. And then you see shots of the French Quarter, the Marigny. It's just like, it, it's a ghost town. It was a ghost town yesterday. It's weird. Now, Fredo, you've been here the longest, right? Mm-hmm. So how weird was yesterday okay so here's and actually car- and carnival season in in general yeah, yeah. just how okay. weird was it overall it probably like as a whole package it's together one of the weirdest uh carnival seasons ever we've had washouts on mardi gras day i remember being on the parade route to 14 13 14 and and uh, it just the storm just came on down and me and my brother who were standing out saving a spot for our family had to duck into an awning and he was wearing this brand new t-shirt and all the color ran out because my mom had pre-washed it. It just turned him a beautiful shade of blue. So just, it happens. You know, we've, I've had going to Endymion Saturdays where you know, can't get to Endymion because there's literally a storm happening. Yeah, but there's, happening. Still, there's still thousands of people who do. That's the thing. Well, so. well, well that's my catch. You Even without the parades, you can still have Mardi Gras, uh, you know, in the quarter, you know, people still come out, you know, you may still have other events happening. The weather will limit some of the events, but it won't limit all. Yes, it was a conscious effort to say no, we're nothing big. I mean, I love the fact that uh, Skull and uh, Bones gang came out at five o'clock in the morning. Uh, Skeleton crew came out. A lot of the Indian tribes came out and, uh, did their usual thing. They did not promote it, celebrate. You know, they didn't make a big deal of it. People kind of found that as they came down the street. So, and then of course everybody was doing the house float thing, which was awesome. So those ways to still have a little bit of carnival spirit, but in ranking all of them, this one far and away weirdest one ever. Now, uh, do you guys you saw the uh, uh, the Indian outfit uh, that's taking the place of the pedestal at uh, Norman C. Francis where mm-hmm. Jeff Davis once stood. I thought mm-hmm. that, I thought that was awesome. Passed by it twice. There was sufficient enough of a crowd that I want to stop and, you know, take a photo of it, you know, get, get out of my car and take a look. But I saw it. And I love the idea. If there was a way to make sure that nobody would mess with it, I would love for it to be there all the time. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the catch though. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't think it would hold up to the elements either is the problem. It's like that box wasn't super weatherproof. And I, we uh, we walked over there today. It was already taken down. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I understand why, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I know, you know, in Armstrong Park, there's a, there's a statue to the Mardi Gras Indians. And I, I mean, I'm not saying relocate one because that it needs to be in Armstrong Park just because that's you know the birthplace of, of, of jazz and there's in there's such a, a linked history between the two but um, 
but yeah, I mean, having a, having another one right there, that or we oh, need yeah. to bring back the statue of Pikachu. Um, <laughs> for a few years back. <laughs> yeah, I never understood why that one got taken down. I was, seemed pretty inoffensive to me, Pikachu. That but, was awesome. Well. So, did, did somebody buy it? Is that it? Is that why? I heard they were auctioning it off, but I don't know. It's it's a mystery mm-hmm. unsolved. If anybody if anybody knows, uh, we'll interview the person uh, on our podcast. What the the creator of the Pikachu statue? That would be a good scoop for us. Yeah, I, I'd <laughs> love to know more about the what happened to Pikachu statue. Dave, is that your dog or my dog? I guess yours. Man, I don't know who's invading our house then. So, okay. <laughs> uh, so, well, cool. Well, yeah, like I said, it's uh, um, now begins Lent. I, I gave up Lent for Lent. So, I don't know. Uh, I, else. Yeah, I told a friend, yeah, I tweeted to a friend today, look, so much has already been taken from us. I'm not, <laughs> I don't have it in me to give up anymore, willingly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Actually, what what begins today is the month long countdown to St. Pat's. You know, and that's that's the thing we were talking about. It's like, I mean, it's, it's, the bar is so low now. All I want on St. Patrick's Day is to be able to go into either Finns or the Holy Ground and have a pint of Guinness, maybe play some tunes with a couple of friends. You know, that's that's I, that's all I want. It's like, I don't. Don't actually, I never really like a block party anyway, but it's like <clears throat> the parades obviously aren't going to happen. But I would not be surprised if we don't see another. Well, we're closing down the bars for another weekend. Um, but yeah, who knows? Who knows? Jump off that bridge when we get to it. We're officially into the season of this is our second annual thing we're losing. Because we really we didn't lose Mardi Gras last year, but we lost St. Pat's, yeah. we lost French Quarter Fest, we lost these things, and now we're heading into our we lost now we've lost two, and that hit me the other day with St. Pat's, and that's just that's that's tough. So yeah, but uh, like I said, we'll keep thinking positive thoughts, and maybe who knows what will happen. You know, numbers are are dropping. They're they're in. You know, it's. So knock on wood. I won't knock on wood because the dogs will go nuts. Um, but uh, so uh, be- before we get into the topic tonight, topic tonight, by the way, we're going to be uh, we're, it's going to be um, kind of a uh, serious topic for the Houdat Jedi podcast. But um, it's uh, all about uh, the situation around Gina Carano not being a part of the Star Wars family anymore. Um, and uh, we're going to end the kind of the situation around that and a little bit broader um conversation about the whole thing uh but let's let's start off with some fun as always we'll start with some trivia and hey you know what i got on my desk because I, 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 I cleaned up my desk guys and now i actually have my reading glasses so i'll be able to read these better see so old man glasses go on all right and see then i can look at you like this it should be a video podcast because i'm looking over the top of the rim of the glasses you know what you got okay sorry I digress. Do, do, doing the old librarian look of looking over the glasses. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> because if I try to look at you through the glasses, I'll get sick. All right. So anyway, um, Dave, who confides to Qui Gon? I am betting heavily on Sebulba. I wouldn't call it confiding, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, he didn't say. Like, right? Let me let me tell you. Yes, he's going to win. I think. Yeah. 
I'm sorry. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good impression. I'm sorry to everybody. Uh, yes, that was Watto. All right. Da, 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 da. And Fredo. Who wails that navigating through an asteroid field is suicide? Ooh. I'm going to go with 3PO. I'm sorry. The answer Princess is Leia. C3PO. <laughs> no, I'll give it yeah. to you. I'll give yeah. it to you. Fine. All right. Yes, it is. It's 3PO. Um, which, by the way, I still say one of the funniest moments, un- most underrated moments in Empire Strikes Back is when C-3PO hugs Chewbacca when they're starting to dive into the um, asteroid belt. Um, all right, so here's mine. First one to look at. Who asks a sputtering and smoking R2-D2, why did you have to be so brave? All right, so I'll get the correct answer here. It is C-3PO. So, man. Fredo and I both get a 3PO question. Dave gets the Phantom Menace. All right. So mm-hmm. everybody feel warmed up. Let's uh, let's move into some news. Okay. So uh, first things first. Uh, you remember a few weeks, a couple of months back, actually, back when uh, Tony Gilroy was unable to start uh, filming for Cassian Andor series, they tapped Toby Haynes to be the director or directing a few episodes. Well, uh, earlier in the week, uh, actually last week, they announced that uh, Ben Karen and Susanna White, two other directors are joining Andor as directors. Uh, ben Karen, who's been known to direct uh, episodes for Skins, Sherlock, uh, The Crown, uh, whereas Susanna White directed Nanny McPhee Returns, has directed episodes of Generation Kill, Billions and Masters of Sex. So it seems like it, it's um, it's interesting. It's At one point, there was the uh, point of view that Tony Gilroy was going to be series executive producer, showrunner, and director. And now it's more like, nope, he's handing the directing duties to other directors, and he's kind of overseeing the whole thing. Cool. Um, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm scanning through some of the stuff. But uh, you know, and kind of linked to Andor, um, didn't didn't yeah. there get uh, not kind of linked? It is linked, but kind of linked to the story. Isn't um, we got more clarification on Alan Tudyk and K two S O? He basically he he made it sound like yeah yeah he, he's 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 coming. It's just not right away. So he kind of confirmed that it was a couple of days after we had talked about it. But uh, right. So. And uh, I believe, let's say, so they're expecting Andor to come after Book of Boba Fett. So sometime mid-2022, spring 2022. Uh, And then it's going to be 12 episodes. So it's interesting. They're confirmed both sort of a release date period as well as a, a length for the season. So, uh, okay, so this was brought up on uh, somewhere else. I can't remember, but uh, I'll ask you guys. I don't know. Again, just a tangent. Um, if you had the opportunity to watch, um, like, the, the entire season one or entire season two of The Mandalorian in a movie theater, would you? I would. Now, then I got to thinking, it's like, Wow, if we could, if you didn't charge anybody, then there wouldn't be any 
you wouldn't get thrown into copyright jail. So maybe we could have like a, uh, you know, a Who Dat Jedi podcast post quarantine fun night. Get somebody yeah, to sponsor it. Uh, no, I'm just thinking out loud. You can edit this out, Dave. But I don't know that'd be kind of that'd be kind of nifty. Because um, some of these things, what I guess what I'm getting to is that there are these aren't just like okay, we're making a TV show and we're just going to get, you know, some schlub straight out of you know film school. They're they're getting mm-hmm. people to to do this and do this right. I mean, you know, we, so that's a this is a, I mean all movie quality stuff. Yeah, we've talked. Go ahead, Dave. I was just going to say we've also we've talked about it on the show before that they're sort of training people in the visual language um, with the show, which you know if you if they understand what the you know the the mythos is and how you shoot these things and uh, all the technical side of it, then it's like okay, you you've shown an aptitude for this. We can give you a future at some point. Um, and so, like, I feel like it is, it remains that as well. It's a really good proving ground. But to your point, Aaron, like, they're not bringing in <laughs> the rookie yeah, either. Uh, so, hey, Aaron, you want to, you want to direct an episode? Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing too, as much, we talked about WandaVision last week, and as much as I'm adoring WandaVision, um, more so than I thought I was going to, uh, you can tell very much that that is a TV show. Mm-hmm. And I know it's kind of what they're going for just with the whole WandaVision thing, but it, it seems to be more on par with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. than it does The Mandalorian. You know, I, I don't know. Am I am I just snooty here or I mean, no, I think particularly this last season, second season, we made a point to, you know, to kind of reflect on the fact that it felt like a bigger story just told in pieces, you know, like you could go from the chapter nine through chapter 10 chapter 11 put them together you know cut out the credits and it would all flow seamlessly by and large you know maybe a swipe or a cut or something in between whereas i think even the season one of mandalorian felt more episodic felt more like okay we've reached the end of this adventure i think there was a concerted effort to make season two feel more seamless so i imagine that if you were to put it on a big screen and show it all at once it would flow rather easily. So sorry, I took us down tangent road there, but uh... no, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Speaking of tangent roads, if you want me to move on, Every, everybody uh, has to have a role to play. Okay, go ahead. Yes, yeah. go, go on. Uh, so uh, yesterday was announced, or a few days ago was announced, that Charles Sule, who's right now working on the High Republic stuff, is also going to be writing a or anchoring a comic book series through Marvel for Boba Fett. It's going to call Boba Fett War of the Bounty Hunters. It's supposed to be a crossover event across all the Marvel, Star Wars, comic book series. And uh, here's what Charles says is the synopsis. He goes, Boba Fett clearly doesn't take Han Solo directly to Java's palace. So this takes place at the end of uh, Empire. Something had to happen in between that intervening time between Empire and Jedi. And I was like, I would like to tell that story. And I would like it to be about Boba Fett and what happens to him. So then he goes, uh, there's a little bit of a preview of uh, the art that uh, artist Luke, well, let me see, his name, Luke Ross, is working on for this. Because it's going to be, uh, like I said, five-issue miniseries. And then some of the other uh, characters are going to be cutting in from the other Marvel comic series. So it's like Boba Fett's in, the beginning, uh, in possession of Han Solo at the end of Empire. And at the beginning of the first issue, he's not. 
and he's going to do everything he can to get him back. And that's going to involve him taking on Jabba the Hutt, Black Sun, Darth Vader, and a few other factions. So it's supposed to be coming out in uh, May of this year. So I think you still got the Marvel app, don't you, Aaron? I do. I do. So there you go. All right. Uh, so, so let me get this straight. This, this is going to be like the typical, I don't know, 80s sitcom where the basketball gets just tossed from one bounty hunter to another. There, It's <laughs> keep away with Han Solo. Is that what's going on? Um, well... That, that's what they should call it. Just keep away with Han Solo. Uh, but it made me think of, you've seen the robot chicken where Boba Fett is talking to frozen Han and Carbonite, you know, mm-hmm. just cracks me up. Breckenmeyer. Anyway, that's all I think about when I think about this, you know, but that's also, I, I can't, I'd have to go back and read shadows of the empire again, but I almost, there's, I mean, part of that story was told, I mean, or that, a version of that story or whatever i think so but remember it's shadows of the empire canon yeah, it's anymore? not can't no it's not canon no um but um <laughs> i could i could hear michelle in the distance screaming <laughs> uh but uh no. i remember there was a big uh you know boba fett versus ig88 thing in there so mm-hmm. anyway well no it'll be it'll be interesting to see you know my um yeah so cool yeah, you have to remember too. We just had this huge Boba Fett renaissance, uh, you know, with this this last season. We know the new show's coming out, so this is a perfect time for them to launch a comic in May. It'll kind of like whet that appetite for people who are itching to see more Boba Fett. So. And and Seth Green needs to like do a book of Boba Fett uh, uh, robot, robot chicken. chicken. Yes, so do, 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 do. yeah. Okay, not Star Wars related, but Star Wars adjacent. Uh, uh, it was announced last week that Pedro Pascal, aka Din Jaren, is going to be the lead at the lead in HBO's HBO Max's high-profile adaptation of the Last of Us Sony PlayStation video game. So, for those of you who have never played it. Uh, the Last of Us takes place in a post-apocalyptic world. Uh, Pedro will be playing the role of Joel, who's a hardened survivor. He's hired to smuggle this young girl named Ellie, who's going to be played by uh, the girl from Game of Thrones, Bella Ramsey, who played the little uh, lady who died at the end of season eight uh, out of spoiler, an oppressive quarantine. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Look, it's posed for a show that nobody watched, so uh, so it starts a small job, becomes a brutal journey through post-apocalyptic America. Go from there. So it's interesting, you know, because that would be, I mean, right now they're just announced a casting. They haven't shot a thing. They're not expecting this to be coming anytime soon. I mean, I, I, mean, I would imagine that at the earliest we're still looking at 20, late 2022 or 2023. So you got to figure, you know, <laughs> you know, Pedro's got to be running dual hit TV shows across streaming platforms now. This is an interesting choice because this I've never played it, but I it's got it's just renowned for its story, mm-hmm. which isn't like typically the types of games that get tabbed for adaptation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Usually picking things like Doom or Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat or Sonic the Hedgehog. 
so it's like okay so let, let's find a good story this time and adapt that uh something that's cinematic to begin with and i, I you know i i'm not gonna write that off i think that's i think that's a good idea and obviously good for pedro he gets to sink his teeth into another role have you played it fredo uh no i not didn't play it when it came out of uh one of my brothers like, oh, I'll get, I'll get it to you. I'll get to play. I just never ran into the time. It's a good combination of, if you remember the early seasons of The Walking Dead, and if you were to combine it with something like Cormac McCarthy's The Road, it's a good amalgamation. It's it's a brutal, like I said, post-apocalyptic America. There's factions. There's these monsters that have been mutated. The game starts off, and I mean, it's iconic for, both how it begins and how it ends, but the opening is the day that the world goes to McClunky in a handbasket and you're playing the role of Joel as you're trying to escape with your daughter and tragedy befalls you. So again, it kind of colors the choices that he makes along the way when he's trying to uh, uh, lead Ellie to safety. Uh, it's being created. One thing I'll give it in its, as, as another feather in his cap it's being adapted by Craig Mason or Masson, who was the creator of the Chernobyl miniseries from last year. This is all so sounding guys... really uplifting, let me tell you. I know, I know, exactly. I know. <laughs> if you remember Chernobyl last year, you know, that TV miniseries, everybody's just like, it just leaves you feeling down and depressed. And now he's going to be making a TV show where, you know, Pedro Pascal and Lady Liana Mormont are trying to get away from monsters and other factions. Yeah, I, I can. It's going to be hurtful. It's going to hurt. I'm going to say it's a far cry from Mario Brothers, but. Uh... Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, on. So, little true. If we want to get into lighter, happier Star Wars here news, uh, there was an interview done by Sarah Wilson from. I can't try to remember what her. Uh, she works for USA Today. Anyway, she interviewed Ryan Johnson. She actually interviewed. Uh, both uh, Daisy Ridley and Ryan Johnson. But during the during interview with Ryan Johnson, she did ask him, and he did confirm, does his Star Wars trilogy still on? No dates or timelines because he's working on other projects. Like, right now he's working on the sequel to Knives Out, but he says that it is happening. Um, she actually even asked him about uh, bringing on Daisy Ridley or Adam Driver or John Boyega to Knife Side 2. And he's like, look, I got less time to work on this than I did the original. And then uh, she asked him about Raylo and he, he confirmed that it was supposed to be a romantic thing. So, eh? But yeah, if you're if you're still expecting the Ryan Johnson trilogy, it's not, it hasn't been canceled, it hasn't been forgotten, it's still happening. Yeah, well, it shouldn't have been a romantic thing, but oh well. Uh, you know, I saw, <clears throat> I saw a, a, a John Hoey from the uh, um, Resistance broadcast. He retweeted something. It was like, but when this whole thing came out, and he said, "There's," uh, he said, "I'm of two minds." He said, "One, I'm so excited to see what." It, it, he retweeted somebody's tweet. Said, "I'm so so excited to, um, to see what you know Ryan Johnson can do with his with his own trilogy." He said, then I'm also fearful of, you know, having to hear all the people on Twitter just railing against how awful it's going to be. But, you know, because it's 
and so hopefully maybe there'll be enough you know time will pass that the heat will come down and people will be a little bit more open to it i think he'd make an incredible trilogy um yeah. if you if you've ever seen any of his his the work that he's created you know whole cloth whether it's uh nice out or brick or um i forget the name of this time travel movie that he made with uh, looper looper. Uh, looper looper thank yeah. you he is very creative he has he knows how to put stuff together oh you know i wonder give him free reign and the opportunity to actually plot beginning middle and then well, that's how the come you know how much better it'll all come together that's the I mean, god we talked about it a gazillion times i mean he had i mean he told a smidgen of the story and the story was never even fully fleshed out so <clears throat> to give him yeah like you said beginning middle and end then then we can see I, I think then it would be fair to say, yeah, Ryan Johnson can make a Star Wars, you know, movie, or no, nah, he really can't. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. so, yeah. No, I'm excited to excited for it. Yeah, I mean, to your point, jury's jury's out on that in a way because uh, we a lot of people blame JJ for the disjointedness, and a lot of people blame Ryan. And you know, truthfully, it's probably a little bit of both. Um, and it's really more Disney's fault than anyone else because, like, this this trilogy didn't come together in the way that a lot of people wanted to. Um, so I think like, even if you were like horrifically disappointed with last Jedi for any number of reasons, um, I think some of those opinions can be valid, but when you talk about like it not being, not seeming to fit within that trilogy, then, uh, then I'm like, well, okay. I don't know if that, needs to be levied entirely at him and so yeah i i'm I'm with you his other films have turned out great they they tell coherent stories um that have really interest have it have they, they typically have an interesting way of coming together at the end um which is what you want you want it to come together in a way that makes sense but you can't see coming a mile away and imagine imagine if you did have like a uh star wars meets knives out like a star wars mystery mm. you know i mean it would be you know it'd be kind of a interesting thing um yeah it could be a lot of fun i like the fact that the shackles are off you're not in the skywalker trilogy you can do whatever you want you can go wherever you want when it, the timeline can be different you can be in the far reaches of space where you're not interacting with any of these previous entities i mean you can do whatever he wants with it so i um i'm still personally i'm still excited for it as well because i think he's an incredible filmmaker um and i really hope that it comes together and it happens but uh i'm i'm also not i'm not like pinning all of my hopes on this one interview where he just he can say whatever he wants in this one interview, you know. And that's part of the dynamics of the reality of Hollywood movie making. I mean, all directors have pet projects that they walk away from, come back to walk away from, because they're either hired or get the opportunity to make something else. Uh, right now, the only two things we know, three things we know are confirmed are Road Squadron, uh, Taika Waititi's movie, and kevin feige's produced movie so that's it you know now that only gets you till about 2028 2029 beyond that it's open field Mm -hmm. um you know dave to your point you just said where um 
you know, he can, it's in his interview, he can kind of say whatever he wants. Uh, I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I'm going to disagree a little bit there because, you know, I, you know, I work for a technical writing company that, you know, we contract with a comp with, I write help center articles for a company. Um, my company does, this is going to be weird. So my company, company a writes, we're contracted to work with company B, but it is stated clear as a bell that we cannot say that we work for company B or we do, you know what I mean? It's there's just because your subcontractor has been hired. You're so, not an employee of the contract. But, but what I'm what I'm saying there is that I, I would think that that Lucasfilm would probably frown upon anybody just saying, "Yeah, I'm writing a new Star Wars trilogy," even if he yeah. even if he did the Last Jedi. But I think that if he was just to say that to a you, you know, now if he said it, you know, sitting in a bar, you know, and he didn't realize, you know, somebody was sitting next to him, that's one thing. But he's talking to a USA Today reporter. I mean, it's probably. I mean, if let me, I'll rephrase then. I mean, like, honestly, like, my point isn't, like, he can say whatever he wants to anybody whenever, which, you know, funnily enough, is going to be a theme of this show today. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think, like, honestly, what, what I was trying to convey is that... Until Lucasfilm these, says that, hey, Ryan's doing this, yeah. These, these things shift over time. He may he may feel at this point that the thing is still coming together. Disney may feel entirely differently about whether this is going to actually eventually happen or not. They could be in totally different stratospheres, or even if they're on the same page at this point, things can change a month from now, six months yeah. from now, a year from. So it's like, it's like I, I'm very much of mind. Let's wait until the scripts are are written and they're ready to go into pre-production and, and being leaked online. Yeah. 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 Cause yeah. I mean, in reality, I mean, and it's not just from his point of view, but even the corporate financial point of view, Disney may be in that position where precedents change. Uh, there's shifts in the pressures at the top and they may say, no, right now we really can't make that. You're ready to go, but we're not ready to fund you now. This is Disney. They got everybody's money, but even they have to go at some point. We can't just green light everything all at once you know what bothers me is that when reporters yeah. don't don't follow with the obvious follow so mm -hmm. i mean it, it sounds like it's like right, so are you writing yeah are you still doing the star wars trilogy yeah i'm still doing the star wars trilogy and then they that that was kind of it you know the the obvious follow is okay now i know you can't give specifics but do you have a story already in mind have you already you know put down some thoughts to paper you know, because uh, then you're going to be able to kind of suss out the, the BS a little bit. But I will defend her only in this regard. She did tweet out. She would know afterwards. She's saying she had three hours worth, worth of questions and only an hour's worth of time. So sometimes you want to get into those cul-de-sacs and, you know, down those rabbit holes. But you don't get them because you're not going to get that much of an access to, uh, to, an, to an interviewer or an interviewee in this case. You're only going to get so much and they're usually talking to them for a specific reason that they want to get back to. And, you know, yeah, they'll only yeah. humor you for so long. Quit being reasonable, Fredo. Come on. I know. <laughs> look, look, and, and Dave can talk about that way better than I. I would probably feel, personally, I, I would have let my own feelings get into there and I would have probably filled at least 50 minutes of the hour with Star Wars questions. But, uh, oh well. 
I'm not, and I'm well, not saying yeah, I'm not saying 50 minutes. I'm saying go with the obvious <laughs> follow because, like, I mean, but to your point, it's like he can say whatever he wants. You know, like yeah, I'm still making the the trilogy, and everybody goes away happy. But if you ask, oh, cool, do you have a story in mind? Then they're like, uh. Mm-hmm. Sure. No, or, you know, or if there's no hesitation, it's like, no, I don't have a story in mind yet, but you know, I'm still going to do it. Then, you know, okay, this is, this is going to be a while. Or if uh, it's like, yeah, I've got thoughts now. I've got an outline. We've, you know, you might get a little bit more Then then, then you can move on to talking about knives out to whatever. Search well, for, that's for just it. I mean, gold. he's working right now on, on writing knives out too. So I would imagine if, if he even has any idea of what that trilogy is, it's a faint idea. It's nowhere near. Let's go. Let's go make the sucker. Because, I mean, he's gonna after the experiences of Last Jedi. I think he's gonna want. And this is just me speaking for myself. He's gonna want to have everything kind of sort of mapped out, so that you know when he gets it all together, when it gets all put together, it all works. So since- I think that, yeah, that's a really good point. That the other point too is that he knows that the fan base is divided about his movie, this previous movie, and he will catch an enormous amount of flack. And I think like that. From Disney's perspective, I think that's the reason why they haven't said, we're locking you in for 2022, buddy. Um, I think they want some of that ill will to kind of fade over time. And that would be why they're not like pressing forward on a rapid timeline with this. That would that would be my guess. But again, like you said, he probably wants to get that story locked in, too. You know, he's got he's got such a sense of humor that I would not put it past him to say, since he dropped the thing, how he confirmed that, you know, the Raylo thing was actually supposed to be a thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this new trilogy is going to be Raylo meets, you know, uh, um, Fifty Shades of Grey fan fiction, you know. So taking Star Wars down another, you know, avenue than watch mm-hmm. people's head come unglued. <laughs> So anyway, so that's it in terms of news, except for one bit of bit of news. So we want to get into it. So and we're a little bit late to the party because this happened after we recorded last week, and you know other podcasts have talked about it. And um, I, I think we might go down a little different angle and not dwell too much on the specifically Gina Carano, but Gina Carano got herself shown the door by Mickey Mouse. Um, she got and- fired on her day off. You know, um, it, uh, but the most, the, 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 the proverbial straw on the camel's back was, um, making a, making a Holocaust reference joke. Got not even a joke. She would just, you, she, would she you said, like me to, would well, you like me to read the way that, uh, the variety wrote it? Well, I mean, kind of, yeah, go ahead. I mean, yeah. So, so yeah. So basically the way that they write it is this. Carano shared the, these posts on her story, Instagram story, late Tuesday night. One of the posts she shared compared today's divided political climate to Nazi Germany. Quote, Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even by children. Because history is edited, most people today don't realize that to get to the point where the Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different, any different from hating someone for their political views? End quote. Uh, the extrapolation they're being made, uh, that being conservative, Republican, which, whichever side of the spectrum, you know, political spectrum you put that group on, is equivalent to being 
did you in Nazi Germany, which so I gonna, believe we're gonna that have some... to, we're going to have to have an inter intermission in the Who Dat Jedi podcast for everybody to go get more liquor to deal yeah. with with some of this. But uh, and by the way, <laughs> folks, by the way, we're we're not going to this isn't going to be a both sides type of a thing. We come down all three of us firmly on one side that this, that's just effed up. Pardon me. I did. I always, I always remind myself that there's was I forget who said it. Said the moment you you bring up Hitler and any or the Nazis in any uh, discussion, you've already lost because that's like the end of the discussion. So, right. You know, or or you know. Okay. So let's let's just take it on that part of it. You know, it's like, you know, it, I don't know. I I learned many moons ago that you know I I don't even think I was probably old enough to drive before I knew that yeah you don't make Holocaust jokes. You, I mean, you know, and it's like, and when you see politicians compare things to, you know, also they, they will compare things to gulags and to, you know, I, uh, you know, I understand hyperbole, but some things are just like, no, you just, you don't, you don't, you know, you don't. Some things are, you know, I know South Park has had episodes where it's like, okay, it's now there's been enough time where we can now start making jokes or we can start making references. I, I, I would think, I, sorry, the Holocaust is, you know, no, there, there is, there is a line and that is way out in another parish. So, yeah. but, but yeah. what, but what compounds this, I'm sorry to interrupt you, is that it wasn't like this was just some drunken, you know, tweet, you know, a one-time deal. I mean, she's, she's done dumb things like this in the past. And I do want to preface this. First of all, I'm going to say this. I was excited about the Cara Dune character still am. And I was excited for it to be Gina Carano at the beginning, you know, and then we started, you know, seeing her true colors and it becomes a little bit difficult. It's like you grow up, you know, and it's like, I really like grandpa. And then you're about 12. It's like, man, grandpa, tells some kind of those jokes are kind of a little weird then you realize grandpa's a racist and it's just like ugh, i don't want to go to grandpa's house anymore you know and so it, it gets a little tough but i mean so but she she's made other things it was like um she made in her twitter profile when people are using uh you know putting their pronouns um in in their bios and she put beep boop bop and apparently at that point uh, Pedro Pascal sat her down and explained to her basically, you know, why that was crappy and explained to her, you know, the whole transgender, you know, uh, just. Okay, yeah. Can, can I take that down for a second? Because yeah. like, I, you know, the news broke before this news broke about a week and a half ago, a little uh, article came out about Pedro Um supporting his his trans sister yeah and um and just like what that meant because of the country that they grew up in where you could get dropped out of a plane above the ocean uh if you didn't meet a certain criteria you know by the government this is these are the kinds of things that would happen there and so he would for him to actually just come out and and be a voice of strength and support and resolve in that way. Um, I mean, it was like, it just shows you what an incredible person he is. And so you contrast that with 
I'm going to make fun of the whole, you know, trans uh, space right now. And what, you know, what a lot of people are dealing with and what a lot of people are trying to be sensitive to right now. Um, because for years and years and years and years, it's just like a, either a butt of the jokes or it's not something we talk about. Right. Um, we finally come to a point in 2021 where it's like, okay, let's let's be a little bit more broad-minded. Let's be a little bit more accepting. Um, and Pedro's at the forefront of that. And and yet she's out here making fun of it. Well, and he actually, and, and again, knowing that, I mean, I know it was, he, uh, he actually. And man's gets, the, man is the star of the show. He actually too. took, so he like, actually let took me make the time. That clear. He, he actually took the time, you know, back then to sit down with her and try to yeah. persuade her and, you know, and educate her and to be patient, you know, where, where most of us would have been like, man, you're lucky you didn't get decked, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. um, so. It, and just, and just to say right quick, Aaron, the fact, I mean, as somebody who is from Latin America, I can tell you that they're still very reactive, very negative, very angry and you know, very regressive points of view towards trans people in Latin America. I can tell you stories from people that I know who've lived there, who've been there recently. And so the fact that Pedro's sister felt comfortable enough and felt supported enough to do it, and the fact that he, having the platform that he has, supports her so willingly it's such a breath of fresh air and such a strong and positive thing and and here's the thing he has you're right he has every right to have gone to gina car goes what the heck girl what's going on here yeah but kick, no kick her off he the took the time now, to, or i'm walking you know but no right, he took the time to embrace her and she i mean to her credit she did listen to him but then when he came you know when he came out to uh to say it, she simply said, "Look, it's not for me, but I'm not gonna put you down for doing that for saying so." But I think the bigger problem for Gina Carano is that this wasn't the first; this wasn't even the second. She had been running a numerous times where she posts stuff online that then she takes back and or has to delete because again, the 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 Jews are in Nazi Germany the same thing as conservatives in Atlanta, in uh, in America right now. Post got deleted within hours. There was another post making fun of uh, masks uh, wearing that got taken down. Uh, so, in other words, uh, she was promoting some of the elections, st- the stolen election conspiracy nonsense a few months back. So, she had ample time to recognize. Wait a minute, what the heck am I doing to my career? And she and blew all, past all of them. All reports are that she was actually, you know in Disney's office in Lucasfilm's offices a couple weeks ago, like apologizing and yeah, boy, I'm sorry. And then, you know, that, that lasted long. Um, so, I mean, I, I mean, so let's pause and let's take a, let's take a, this is one of the, the kind of in the universe, uh, questions that I had or just things I wanted to bring up. And it is, it is not, you know, an ex- it's not an excuse by any you know, standpoint, but I, I'm sitting here thinking about, man, if back when we were growing up, how many of the 
you know, move, how many movie stars, TV stars, you know, whatever would have been, you know, run out on the rails had social media been around at that point. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, I'm sorry. I, I see your expression there for a second. There's a lot of people I know grew up loving Kiss and Kiss was the mm-hmm. best band they've ever seen. They And their their music is not political whatsoever. But then they went and saw them at Gretna Fest a couple of years ago and they wouldn't play an encore until everybody did this, the um, Pledge of Allegiance. And they okay. went on a little bit of a, a conservative, you know, hoo-ha. I mean, then it's like, so, I mean, so again, th- those, <laughs> I, I just wonder, does, does the social media platform for artists, does that make it more difficult for them? I mean, I, I and, say- I, and I will say it's one thing to say, I disagree with, you know, drilling in Alaska than it is to say, you know, trans people are awful. You know, that's, I mean, that one is, yes, a, a political policy thing that we can talk about. The other one is about being a, a dirt bag to other human beings. So I do draw a line there, but what I'm saying is that, you know, it's, um, does, if she, if she would have just I, stayed off social media, would she still be Cara Dune and everybody would just be fine living in ignorance? Probably. Yes. Yeah. And like, but it's me- a business, it's a business decision. And it's like, this is something Fredo mentioned to me yesterday, which is just like, at some point, your liability becomes such that, you know, she pisses off enough people, uh, you lose enough subscribers, and it and she becomes a problem. Well, if you're and in a, you if ha- you're in and a you band, have to address to, that problem. Yeah, if you're in a band, you go play, you know, have a gig at a venue, and then you keep pissing off the customers, and people aren't going to come, you know, to that to that bar, then they're going to not hire your band. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm... Keep going, David. Sorry. Been given this rope, you know, she's given a rope to hang herself, essentially. It's like that's what social media is for a lot of people now. So I'm going to put a bunch of political stuff out there. um, And and like I'm going to get a lot of likes and retweets from a certain crowd. And I'm going to get a lot of other people who are like, I'm never going to consume your media ever again. Um, And it becomes an issue for your employer if you end up hurting their bottom line and like, this is why people think freedom of speech, freedom of speech. But I think they lose sight of the fact that these are, these are private companies. These are businesses they are looking to make money and they're looking to do what they think is best for their business. And so Disney um, in their current state believes in inclusivity and and so like this is going to be a thing for them continuing going forward Cons- conservative voices i use quotation marks um are going to have a hard time fitting into that culture if they feel that they must express uh, more radical viewpoints like gina has been expressing and and you know for her again i agree with you aaron you draw the line between I believe in smaller government. I believe in drilling in Alaska. I believe in this. I believe in that. Versus you don't have a right to exist. Right. And like, I think like there's a difference there and there's a distinction to be drawn. Um, But she was trending with the latter. Yeah. 
you yeah. know, and, and I, just I, do, were, I do want to say, you know, to your point, Dave, about, you know, it's like, you know, when you're saying freedom of speech, stuff. I, I mean, when I was a teacher in, you know, conservative uh, town, Nebraska, you know, I knew that you know, my, it's why my social media posts, I've trained myself to just post about my dogs and Star Wars and, and music, you know, it's pretty benign. Um, and, you know, had I, however, had I been a teacher in big blue dot new orleans it would have been a you know different situation you know depending on what you know school i'm in because you know my wife feels free to to speak her mind and to address issues that you know we wouldn't necessarily felt because in our contract yeah the school district could say you know what you know what you know you you don't have a job no more so um yeah. I guess what I was going to say is, you know, when I was making those faces, I agree with you in this regard. Yeah, if Kiss or Mickey Mantle or the president back Walt in the Disney. 40s, 50s, 60s, if those, <laughs> Walt Disney, if, if those people had social media access and no filter between themselves and their audience, yeah, a lot more of their stuff and their their views and their odiousness may have come out. And we would look upon them differently. Also, we also have to be uh, cognizant of the fact that times change. Back then, some of those positions may have been in the norm, and now they're clearly not. What I always say is social media is a two-edged sword. It allows you to connect with the world, but it also allows the whole world to come into your head if you let it. And that's why it's important to either, if you're somebody, if you look, none of us are famous. You know, if the worst is we're going to do harm is to ourselves or to our immediate families, we said something wrong and we lose our jobs. I want to, I want to, I want to pause you for a second because mm-hmm. of the, because you have been recognized by your voice as mm-hmm. being a part of the who Dat Jedi podcast. You, my friend are famous <laughs> in somebody's world. You are famous because they heard your voice. Oh, who Dat Jedi podcast. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's all right. I appreciate it. Hello. Anyway. Uh, but the reality is when you reach a level of fame or success, like somebody like Gina Carano, who is a world-famous MMA fighter, she's been in movies, she's been in TV shows, That a lot of, a lot of famous people turn that over to their agent, they, they have a media person, they hire somebody on the outside to manage this, they don't do it themselves, or they limit their social media to nothing more than, hey, my new movie's coming out. Hey, come see, it's coming out on DVD. Why? Because they recognize that there is a limit, there is a danger to it, that if you're not cautious, you may step over the line to something you shouldn't have. What I'll also add is that Gina Carano got told by Disney in the stories that come out, stop doing this. Pedro Pascal said, try to educate her, try to guide her back. And she still keeps doing it. So she felt comfortable enough within her point of view to continue tweeting stuff out that basically cost her a job and a lead role in her own TV show. Because that's what Rangers New Republic was going to be. Yeah. No, that was her show. Mm-hmm. That was her show. Like, they built that show for her. Let's not make any mistake about that. The reason that wasn't announced when they when they had their big hubble blue with the investors and everything, they because she had already shoved her foot in well, her mouth. Well, they didn't announce her. I mean, they announced the show. Yeah. 
And that's but they didn't announce her because she'd already shoved her foot into her mouth. And so, like, this was an ongoing issue for them. And I feel like this show that had originally been a vehicle for her was like, she seems to be pretty popular. People really responded to her in season one. Well, what if we, when we're doing a spinoff show, let's come up with our spinoff ideas. Hey, we could do a show based around her. That's great. So they do it. They start the development of it, and she starts shoving her foot in her mouth. So let's like not make any mistake about what she has given up, because I've seen some spin since. Oh, she's already got a movie deal with like Ben Shapiro or somebody. It's like, this is a death knell for her. Yeah, exactly. Weigh, weigh those things against one another. Right. You know, this is a death knell for her career. It's like, you can try to spin it any way that you want, but like this is this is not a good situation for her. And again, I'm not going to sit here and say, "Well, I feel you know I feel bad for her," because I, honestly, at this point, I don't. When she'd been warned multiple times, you yeah. you have to. You, you, I have I have an employer. If my employer comes to me and says, Dave, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this other thing. Well, you know, I have the freaking survival instinct to say, yeah, you're probably right. Okay. I won't do those things. You know, I mean, and the, the, I guess, so we're sorry, everybody, we're going to be jumping around all over the place because uh, just the way this conversation is. So here's the, here's the thing. First of all, um, the people the, who I feel sorry for are, especially the, the new, um, I'm, 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 you know, the, the little girls who like fell in love with, Oh, I've got, we've got a butt kicking, you know, strong female character in Cara Dune. And they see it was like us. We saw Han Solo, but we knew that was Harrison Ford, you know? So they're, they were starting to put, you know, character and actor together. And then to find out that they're, you know, this way, and it's just, it, it's got to be deflating. So what I hope, what I really hope, I know what I've talked about, you know, we've talked about recasting and stuff like that before, but this is an instance where you recast that. You recast it, you find another butt-kicking, you know, strong, you know, female to keep the character of Cara Doom because the character is awesome. It has a lot of potential, Um you know, it doesn't have to be Gina Carano because she was in a couple episodes in season one and season two. You know, I mean, how many eight is enough had two different Davids. So I think we'll all we'll all be fine, you know. But I'll say one of the advantages and you could see kind of where it is. We've kind of mentioned this season two introduced Bo-Katan. Introduced yeah, that's Costa. the other thing. There are other butt kicking so, women in that, so in that in show. Words, if you need that role filled. You do not need to break. Yeah, you got you got Katie yeah. Sackoff. You got uh, you know um, uh, Sasha Banks. Banks. You've got uh, you've got uh, heck Ming Na Wen. You know Ming-Na. so you got Frog Lady. <laughs> That's right, Frog Lady. <laughs> um, but the point Frog being, Lady. you have other strong female characters in your in your just this TV show that you can build upon and go forward with yeah, and, I, and, and, and it's I'm always with like you. i'm totally i'm totally with you but again i've you know, been to the conventions mm-hmm. and i and i've uh, you know you started to see little kids you know dressing as you know cara right. dune they've made a connection so i just hope you know i i would have no problem if they recast it but you're right they have they have tons of other you know 
and she, we you don't need her to advance the story of the Mandalorian at all, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Um, so they could, yeah, they could go either direction. I I agree with both of your takes. Like they could recast recast her, and it wouldn't bother me. And they could also just be like, oh, we don't even need to deal with that. We'll just. So I don't. I don't. I want to want to. I I hate to use. We're going to delve into the part of the Venn diagram that's talking about, or you know that's talking no, maybe not Venn diagram, but we're going to start delving into something that might touch on to what people are calling cancel culture, um, which cancel culture is not a new thing. I mean, I've, I've told the story. I said, you know, um, you know, Brittany and I, we, we exercise our right to, you know, when we can to, uh, um, spend our money at businesses that, you know, are not crappy. Um, you know, and it's, for example, you know, if we're drive if we're driving down the interstate and we need to get gas and if the only, if the gas station that's coming up is BP, we'll drive by, you know, if uh, now, if we're on a sliver amount of gas, we'll probably still get the BP gas, you know, and so we're not stranded in BFE someplace, but you know, it's, or, you know, we, you know, it, it is, it is a sense. It is also a point of privilege that we can, you know, we're not going to go to this grocery store. We're not going to go to this fast food chain. Um, some people don't have Aaron, that. I'll interject briefly. That's an easy reference for any of us to understand living in this part of the country, but other people who might live elsewhere, the BP oil spill was right off the coast of Louisiana. Yeah. And it was an awful, awful situation. We all had headaches for days and it just from the pollu- smell and it yeah i mean it was that close and it polluted the gulf and it was just a catastrophe and i'm with you i'm in the same i'm in the same boat i, so, I try to shop and apart so, from bp and so even even more recent history you know um the 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 owner of uh of rouse's grocery was at the rally right before the storming of the Capitol. And so people in New Orleans, there's been a conversation about, you know, don't shop at Rouse's. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me that, I mean, okay, yeah, I get that. That's kind of, you know, I don't want my money supporting somebody who's going to support that. Um, but then, okay, so what about, what about the 16 year old kid who's working the checkout lane? You know, what about the, you know, or the, the single mom who this is her third job to put food on her, you know, on the table for her kids. And it's like, so what, what, I guess what I'm getting at is like now there's, there has been a conversation of because, you know, Gina Carano is in season one and season two of the Mandalorian and she's, you know, you know, has garbage beliefs. Um, should we pay a subscription to Disney plus should, you know, are, are we going to start seeing season one and season two of the Mandalorian being taken off Disney plus at once season three comes in? You know what I mean? It's like, are, where do we, where does that, I I guess I'm going to throw that grenade out there and um, you know, well, it's interesting because it'll go both ways too, because there are going to be people who support her. That will think I need to boycott Disney, and there's going to be Correct. other people who are like, I don't want anything to do with Disney because she was. I find her so detestable. You know, can you can you separate? I guess is what we're talking about here, because because in the Mandalorian, you know, the I mean, the character of Cara Dune is like nothing like what you know 
um, what we get from the actor. So can you separate the artist from the art? You know, that's the other big, um, uh, the other big kind of conversation. I don't know. What, how, where do you guys come down on that? When you when you come across, let's just not talk about just Gina Carano, but any like any artist, any actor. You know, are you able to separate? For example, can you listen to Bill Cosby himself? You know, <laughs> which was one of my favorite you know albums growing up, knowing what he became. Well, he was right. It's difficult. It's a difficult line to draw because it's one that everybody draws different. I mean, I'm just thinking as you're saying that, looking back on The Usual Suspects or uh, Seven, and can I enjoy those movies because of Kevin Spacey being on them? And I was... Uh, well, I'm going to pause you for a second. What mm-hmm. I mean, um, God, who is the... Uh, how about Michael Jackson? How about, how about Josh what? Whedon? Mm-hmm. Josh Whedon is, is you know... Josh Whedon, right. Avengers and Firefly and Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Serenity. Yeah, I mean, if you if you're any kind of geek from the '90s, 2000s, <laughs> Joss Whedon was a heavy influence on you growing up. Or, and you know, or the Kevin now, Smith movies because Harvey Weinstein, you know, funded those things. Right. Yeah, and takes but, takes a lot of money for that. So I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. I'm just saying there's there's a know. lot of things that we enjoy, you know that. Made by people we that has dirt, yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And and look, this is the this is a difficult line. It's not there isn't an easy answer. There isn't a one size fits all answer, and that's what makes it so difficult. Because it's not as if we're asking people to respect points of view that they don't respect or agree points of view don't agree in order to enjoy a piece of media or a piece of art. Art is art tends to at some point, get a life of its own and separates itself. But at the same time, your feelings towards that art can always be sort of clouded by your feelings towards the artist. Like I said, you know, you know, you know, can you enjoy Thriller and play it every Halloween? In the back of your head, you know, there's some of the accusations levied against Michael Jackson. Or can you watch, you know, Rosemary's Baby and think of Roman Polanski? Again, it's, this, isn't, this isn't a new issue. So that's why I always, I'm reticent to kind of lump it all in because everybody goes, oh, right now the hot new thing is cancel culture. It, it's hilarious that it's in the halls of Congress that they're talking about cancel culture. So I'm like, no, it isn't. This isn't cancel culture, but it's still the long running debate that we have regarding artists and art and the power that we bestow upon them for creating something that connects with us on an emotional level versus the realities of the person as a flawed, living, breathing human being, you know, and and sometimes we don't even have to go to extremes like something like Roman Polanski or Bill Cosby. It's it could be something far less, you know, serious, but no less hurtful. And and I'm sorry if if Congress is going to be really seriously going to be talking about cancer culture, then they need to call Colin Kaepernick to testify. I mean, because it was there. Yeah, they yeah. Sorry. Well, you know, and I'll say this for like your your Rouse's example was a really good one because it, that applies to film, right? Because there's thousands of people that work on a movie. And if there's one idiot attached to that movie, the actor, the director, whomever, and you're like, well, I'm not going to watch that movie. This is like, well, you're hurting all of those people who put, you know, countless hours into trying to create this piece of art for people. 
Um, and so like for me, that becomes that becomes a kind of an easy decision to make there, unless it's just somebody I just I can't even stand well, the sight of them. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know, like Johnny Depp might be a decent example for, for a recent example for some people. It's like I can't I can't watch Johnny Depp anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, I get it. But um again, there's so many people that put so much work into those movies. It's like I could I I can still appreciate it on that level. Um, I can kind of separate it, um, my distaste for an individual, and 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 still appreciate it on those terms. But when you're talking about somebody who um, who's kind of out there on their own, so like Bill Cosby, you know, he he probably had a few producers, a couple of cameramen, but that was his material. That was him. That was that's his stuff. Um, I was talking to uh, I was talking to our friend Mandy about this yesterday and i it's like her her take on 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 that stuff is like well if i can like I'll, I'll do like a timeline in my head and i'll go back to the point the earliest point of my knowledge of them being a creep is anything that's, that happens before my, that I'll, I'll enjoy but anything that happened after that that's I'll, my I'll, exact I'll point what i was bringing up with social media <laughs> is that you know ignorance is bliss that mm -hmm. if i mean if we grew up not knowing what what these people believed what they did you know it, we just enjoyed it, you know uh, you know it was unless you know you know unless your your favorite you know your favorite white baseball player came out and used a bunch of racial slurs <laughs> mm -hmm. you know you didn't know that they were racist. So you were, you rooted for them on, you know, you know what I mean? And so, but if you would have known, would that, uh, yeah. So, it, no, but, no, and, I mean, and that's the like, problem the, is that now, yeah. because there are, it's not just social media, but because there, there, there are so many articles, there are so many people interviewing them. There are so many opportunities for them to let the floodgates open that we are seeing more of, the artist than we than their art and and so it's you know we don't have that um we don't have that veil of ignorance and i like mandy's point there that's i mean yeah it's like okay you know once we get you know i can watch up to the cosby show but then once you know once we get past that and i found out what's going on i'm not going to be you know dealing with the other stuff yeah so uh, i can hang i can hang all the per mixed purses that i've gotten from friends over the years with pride because they all come from before 2020 well and but that's that's, that's the that's, other thing is that that's the, the the purse though was was made by mandy it wasn't right. made by julie lee you know mm -hmm. what i mean and so you know i mean I, I i i just don't think it's as easy as well okay so now here's the other thing it's um you know the Harry Potter series. Are you are you guys fans right. of the Harry Potter series? You know, okay, I enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, I think now, I think, now we, now I think we find Dave's out kids that, are more fans than I am. Now we now we find out that J.K. Rowling is about as much of a transphobe as Gina Carano, if not even more. More, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, can you? Would you would you still hand those books over to your kids to read? Well, you know, one thing I'll say about this, um, yes, 
And, and I watched and I watched Gina Carano. And by the way, I want to pause for a second for my normal disclaimer, yeah. folks, just because I asked the question, don't read into what Aaron <laughs> believes here, because I just, you know, those are questions. Those are th- I, things that people are asking. So I'm helping you work through it to ask the uncomfortable question. I would let people read Harry Potter um, and just say, you know what? The author is a dirtbag. Go ahead, Dave. No, that's the kind of my point. I was like, I watched Gina in season two of the Mandalorian knowing fully well what her politics were, what her feelings were um, on some of these issues and still would watch the show. And uh, if she had not been fired a week ago, I would still be on board with watching season three. I, I don't think that ultimately it was something that I needed to see happen. In this in this particular circumstance, I did not feel like I she needed to be fired, but I get why it happened. I mean, like I totally understand it, and I understand it from the company's perspective. I understand it um, from her co-star's perspective. It's just um, it's just a shame that she couldn't like um, understand the people around her's feelings, and that like, hey, we need we need more sensitivity. In general, well, and, and, and Disney she couldn't is do also, that. Disney and Lucasfilm are also coming off of you know a rocky you know year or so of you know you know what you know John mm-hmm. Boyega saying you know this was how he got you know kind of a raw deal. Mm-hmm. You got Kelly Marie Tran and you know the stuff that she went through, and you know and how they and really not that Disney did any it just how they just how they reacted. And so I think they're trying to be proactive and, you know, I think they gave her a, a chance and then it was like, all right, no, we can't, we can't deal with another. So. And I, I can give you another example, James Gunn, um, who was, who was briefly let go from the guardians uh, directorship because of uh, some insensitive tweets that he put out there. Um, they were like toilety humor and talking about, you know, things that we shouldn't talk about on this podcast, but um, he's like, yes, I was immature and I was, I was joking and the, the, here's the context for it. Uh, Ultimately Disney eventually decided to bring him back, but it wasn't going to, for me personally, make me think, well, I can't watch guardians of the galaxy anymore. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And I kind of look at the same way with, the J.K. Rowling stuff is like those. Those are really good books. Um, am I going to be looking for extra subtext the next time I read through them? Maybe. Uh, you know, it's like it's like okay, so she's transphobic. Let me see if I can pick up on some of that in the next time I read through there. Um, but you know, again, it's obviously it's everybody's own personal prerogative to, to decide for themselves is like, which art am I going to consume? And you don't have to consume anything. You can, you can make those choices for yourself. Decide I, I'm not going to do Harry Potter anymore. And so I'm not going to do Mandalorian anymore. Get it. You know, go go crazy. And let's also be clear as well, because we got three very liberal minded people sitting right here talking about this. Let's also be very clear that there is a difference. Like I said earlier, there's a difference between being a, a Republican and being a dirtbag, you know, hateful person, because I, I have friends who are, they, they've said, you know, I'm, I'm, 
you know, I'm fiscally conservative and socially liberal. And some people would say that that's, you know, kind of talking out of both sides of your mouth, but that, I mean, that's, that's, that's a reality for them. They're they're I mean, I, you know, I know them, you know, they're, they're like my brothers and I know they don't have a hateful bone in their body. Now I, am I, I cringe. It's like, yeah, but you still associate with a party that has a lot of people that does, but you know, I, but I'm taking, there's a difference between those people and Gina Carano has not, you know, really talked about any policy differences. She's talked about human rights, you know, here. And, and that is, so we're not, you know, so I think there can be conservative people. There's room, there's room for people, conservative people. Well, I loved home improvement and Tim Allen until, you know, he started to, you know, spout some of his stuff too i mean his you know stand-up was was funny in the 90s it was you know like i said home improvement was a funny show and then you know yeah so um no i, I guess to, to answer your question regarding jk Rowling, i feel comfortable with if i were to have kids my kids reading harry potter there's no i can separate the work issue because i think there are great lessons in those books for kids and young teens as they grow up. It's one of the beauties of that series is that it grows up with its audience. At the same time though, I'm also not comfortable like, I'm like, okay, read the books, watch the movies, that's it, we're done. You know, okay, we'll go to the park, we'll go to Universal Studios, you can wear a cape if you like. Some people are not comfortable. They don't wanna give a cent more towards uh, Universal or anything that might go back to being poured into the conference of J.K. Rowling. That's all right. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, I do think, you know, the reality is that it's horrible that having the platform that she has, having the voice that she has, she chooses to use it this way, but that is her choice. And that's what's horrible, you know. Sometimes, you know, we're, you know, you know, well, it's also that, the, what's the old Dark Knight quote, you know, live, you know, die here or live long enough to become the villain. She has chosen to sort of down this hill to this, you know, this, uh, she's going to be remembered for Harry Potter and for her transphobic uh, positions, which is kind of surprising. I don't think anybody would have believed that back when the last book came out. But, you know, that's the way it's going to go. And she's, that's, she's, that's fine. Mm -hmm. She's rich and powerful and she feels like she can double down on this stuff. And so she just keeps doubling down on this stuff because she's rich and powerful, you know, and right. she's never, she doesn't feel like she should be told what to do and i feel like sometimes that's the one of the trappings of fame and that's where gina has been and it's like i can do what i want to do you're not going to tell me how to run my twitter account well and you, you, yeah. you become famous enough and popular enough enough people start telling you what you want to hear and you think well that can do no wrong i'm totally in the right i mean the difficulty here is is particularly when you have enough people supporting that point of view and that's the scary part that's one of the downsides of the internet is that there's no longer uh somebody on an island if you have you can have the most hateful heinous vile horrible positions known to man the internet will help you find two other people who agree with yeah. you wholeheartedly. you know and, and now you're a tribe you know and i've i've also said uh you know because well I, I mentioned colin kaepernick a little bit ago you know and and you heard when when that whole thing was going down there, you know, people saying that 
athletes just need to shut up and play the game and, you know, keep your politics out of it and blah, 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 blah. And I, I've said it many times. I said, I, I think that if you have a platform that you should use that platform, you know, and, and use it to, you know, and I, I use it for good use it for good and to make the world a better place now there are some people you know there are some people who would say that you know um pledging allegiance to a flag is making the world you know making the country a better place but um i'm not saying that's me i'm just saying there are some people that but however i think a peter pascal using his platform to talk about his trans sister is educating you know the community and and lifting people up you know putting yeah. putting beep bop boop on your on your um, twitter bio twitter. is doing nothing but tearing somebody down and mm-hmm. and so so what I, I guess what i'm getting at is that i i, I believe that if, like i said if you do have that platform you should use that platform but you also have to be prepared for people to disagree with what you are what you are saying and, you know, but again, I, th- I think people are smart enough, though, um, to like celebrities and athletes, they seem to be smart enough to read the room, you know, that it's like, uh, it's kind of like the old adage, you know, never, never write anything down that you can't say in person, never say anything out loud that you can't communicate with a wink. And if you can't communicate it that way, don't say it at all. It's an old thing in politics. I mean, you know, so I think if it's like I'm going to stand up on my pedestal and say, you know, that trans people are bad. It's like read the room. You're you're not going to have like you said, Fredo. You're going to find a couple people, but you're not going to that. That's not going to be. That's not going to go well for you. You know, mm-hmm. um, not not in this day and age where well, we're going. Well, and the, the reality is, like Dave said, you cutting off your nose. You're limiting yourself you are literally gina carano went from being a star in one of the most critically acclaimed successful tv shows right now to hyping up uh a movie that's going to probably debut on youtube being produced you know by ben shapiro you know that's going to reach a few thousand people because yeah she's going to have for fans we're going to go and pay whatever to see it but that's going to be the extent of it you know, if you are a creator, if you're an artist of any kind of way, limiting your audience because you think that they want to, you know, they only want to hear this or, you know, it, it works against you. But, but that is that is the choice that she is consciously making. And I think that's the bigger point. She's not a little girl. She's a grown adult. These are positions that she's taking because she believes them or B, believes that they benefit her. They haven't, but that's that's what she's chosen to do. So I have no problem with Disney doing what it did because, as they've said, also this is a business. This is the business you you know see a line from The Godfather Part Two. This is the business you have chosen. When you are in the spotlight, when you are in the limelight, you're on twenty four seven. It and sucks, I, and I'm, you've got to deal with it. You know, yeah, no, I'm not going to go down that road anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll ask you this. Um, I feel like to throw a bone to any conservatives that might be listening to to our, our show right now is like um, they didn't run about <laughs> they probably turned, turned <laughs> yeah off they're by now. probably long gone right um, but uh, 
you know, if you're still here and you're still trying and you're still trying to engage and you're thinking, gosh, man, they're really attacking conservatives. It's like, well, I, I would ask you guys, is there merit to the argument that Disney's position as being inclusive um, is hurting the product, is hurting the product of Star Wars? Because a lot of people argument against the sequel trilogy in the modern Star Wars era and the content that's coming out right now. Um, it's like, well, you know, this is not the same as the original trilogy. The original trilogy for me and my interpretation as a conservative would be that it's, you know, for me. It's inclusive to me. And I feel shut out in the modern era of Disney. It doesn't feel like it's speaking to me anymore. And see, I guess my instant reaction is, I know that's not your point of view, but anybody would be saying that is that's a very selfish way to look at things. I look at it from the exact opposite where it's like, I realize, man, yeah, I did feel more. It's like when we've talked with, with Brittany, you know, before that, you know, it's, I, I, I felt like, yeah, Star Wars, I felt like it was a place I belonged because yeah, it was starred by a blonde white guy, you know, I mean, <laughs> so to, and, and so now looking at the sequel trilogy and what Disney is doing, um, I'm thinking about, you know, all the all the little kids that, that I see are who are not blonde white boys who are seeing, you know, now seeing themselves in Star Wars. And um, so I think that is if, if you're if if you're saying is it a gamble for Disney to do, that, I think that's a good gamble for Disney to take. And I think it's just going to pay off dividends. And we should be acknowledged. No, we should acknowledge inclusivity does not mean exclusivity. Right. By which I mean, just because you're making a product where uh, a particular character, or whatever demographic you know, you want to put in is the lead, does that mean that that's all they're ever going to make? It's surprising that one of the beauties of Disney Plus's success, which by the way, hit over 95 million subscribers as of January. So the idea that people are going to cancel their subscription now and Disney Plus is going to crater, forget it. You know, they're only pumping out more product. You know, there's such a demand for, you know, for movies and TV shows. And they're going to have the opportunity to be as diverse as they want to be. They have the opportunity to tell stories in any kind of way. And that's also freeing from an artist's point of view. If you're an artist and you're no longer beholden to, I have to tell this the same story that George Lucas told in 1977 because that's the only thing that hits. They know that they can go any number of ways, any number of stories. I mean, their number one show is starting a middle-aged dad. So I'm gonna... that's, what Mandal- that's what the Mandalorian is. It's a middle-aged dad now, however... with, his adopted, with his adopted kid. I'm, and he's Hispanic. And he's Hispanic, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be Captain Cynical here, because Go Captain Cynical. I mean, well, first of all, when I, when I, it, one of the first thing when I went to work for Google, one of the first things you know they, they said to us said, always assume positive intentions, mm-hmm. and, and so I, you know, and I that was very, it was a very good reminder to me at that point. And I still operate that way. It was like when I was a teacher, I heard, you know, this, this phrase that I always operated with my kids. It was be nice first. And it's like, if you give me a reason to be an a-hole after that, then that's on you, you know, but I will always be nice first or assume positive intentions. So I'm going to assume the positive intentions that Disney wants to be 
inclusive because that's the right thing to do. But the cynical side of me says they want to pack their parks. They want to, you know, sell subscriptions. They want to sell toys. And that ain't going to happen if, you know, they continue to make, you know, movies that look like Snow White or Star Wars, you know. Um, So there's the cynical side of me says that it makes it, it makes a lot of monetary sense to, you know, to to you know to make things inclusive I, I, that sounds but, really but, me to say but and sorry you're gonna have to mcclunky that out and i but it is that's the cynical part of me that says that's why they're doing this you know because at the end of the day they are a corporation that wants to make money and you don't make money if you you know eliminate you know over half uh, over half of your po- possible source of income but but to quote uh Dave looks like he Hispanic. wants to kill me right now. <laughs> <laughs> now, but to quote a famous Hispanic spokesperson, why not both? You can make money you're, you're and be inclusive and right. be successful. You know, this doesn't say that this is having to choose either or. If, if anything, the lesson from the Mandalorian is you can have both and be financially successful and creatively successful and inclusive. Well, Aaron, I was just, uh, I was thinking about your, um, uh, I I had been playing devil's advocate as you were want to do, of course. Um, I, I I tend to agree. I wanted to get Al- Alfredo's viewpoint out there on that, which is just like, yeah, you don't have to just make movies about white people. And you think about it like from the perspective too of Star Wars tanks in China, and that's a problem. And they're trying to fix that problem. And they like banging their heads against the wall, trying to fix that problem. You know, they, they cast uh, um, actors of Asian descent in um, Rogue One. Uh, didn't seem to help. Uh, the saga films all didn't do very well there either. Um, so that's an issue for them. And again, like you said, the bit, the, the business side of it is I, we want to be successful in China. We want to be successful everywhere. And diversity is a part of that equation. And so it's like, not only is it the right thing to do, but it also makes good business well, sense. Okay. So, uh, and again, Captain Cynical here. And I will, I will say this, that um, another, another Google story, and this is not a cynical thing. It was when you talk about, are they doing it for the money or are they doing it because it's the right thing to do? Um, when I was working for Google, there was a push to in coding and I don't know jack about coding but um they you know there's the the historical terms for some of this is master and slave and that's just in the code nobody sees the code but google recognized that their employees see the code and they see these you know these terms being used and they're they're saying they there was a a concerted, you know, um, organized directive to eliminate those phrases from the code. And that's, you know, so that is an example of, you know, doing because it is right. You know, there's a gazillion other things that Google needs to worry about, you know, but they took, but they said, we recognize that this is, you know, our, our employees are seeing this and we need, and, 
and they're using these phrases that should not be, you know, that really shouldn't be used in the 20, 20, 21st century, I mean, 20th century, or even it shouldn't be used ever. But um, so they're trying to change a culture, you know, and I, I just thought that was that was really kind of cool. And so um, so I'm hoping in positive attentions that Disney is doing this because, again, it's because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And I think that's that's it's kind of difficult because, you know, you always kind of recognize that these are ultimately monolithic, gigantic mega corporations, you know, so always taking their actions with a grain of salt is a, probably a safe course of action. I mean, like you know, Dave and I said, you know, Disney doesn't take this course of action if if Gina Carano is not more of a harm to their profit line than a benefit. If she's still a benefit, they would have found ways to kind of coach her and guide her and ensure that she was still a member of both the Mandalorian and Rangers of the New Republic. The fact that she became a negative, a, a, a profit loss or loser for them kind of says it all about how far she'd gone without not recognizing it. And that's well, just... And the, the other part of mm-hmm. it too is we, cause we talked about this offline. Um, she was, she was starting to go down into, you know, Q land because mm-hmm. I remember on her Instagram feed, she was at a, you know, save the children rally. And it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And I mean, that, that is like the, that's the gateway into Q. I mean, there's, there's nobody in the world that would legitimately argue that you shouldn't save, you know, the children. That's, that's a cause everybody can get behind, but it's the thing that Q uses to get you to get their hooks in you. And mm-hmm. so given the timeliness of what she said and what happened at the Capitol and the, and the his and her history, I don't think Disney had any choice, but to say, mm-hmm. no, we got it. This is not, had had january 6th not happened then i don't think we'd be having this conversation i think she would probably still i think she'd probably be off twitter and you know you know she probably would still be acting with in the mandalorian but that's just again this yeah no but that's those are conscious choices that she made to send out all those tweets and to Take the positions. Look, Disney never said don't take your those positions. They were very much in a you know in a situation where the backlash that it was causing was splashing onto them. You know that, like I said, like like Dave said, if you, if your boss comes and tells you, "Hey, Dave," or if my boss ever comes and tells me, "Yeah, we saw a couple of tweets that you sent out in the middle of the night." Yep. Yeah, we're not comfortable with that kind of stuff. Well, and the thing is, I would be like. Okay, I know better. And people but. and people on Twitter weren't saying, you know, and and the stories are being written were not, you know, Gina Carano, co-star of Fast and Furious 7. It was, <laughs> you know, Gina Carano, star of The Mandalorian, you know. So it's like when yeah, it's the, if you can't separate, yeah. you know, if Disney couldn't separate from her, then yeah, it was they're just going to have to kick her to the curb. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an interesting thing that you brought up earlier, too, about um, using your platform for good. And I'm wondering if, in some respects, like, she thought she was. Because, like, you know, I feel passionate about this particular thing. Like, if you're getting into the Q stuff, again, I don't I don't want to get, like, 
up on my soapbox too much but you're right that's that's out there that's not okay because they traffic in lies right and it's all just basically made up but that having been said um it tends to target a particular type of individual and i think Fredo, you talked about this like wrestlers in particular are particularly sus susceptible to this because they're kind of on their own and they're they're not in a group they're more out on their own and they they end up yeah. getting lured in with this kind of thing yeah there was an article in the guardian about a month a couple of months ago when uh because they were looking at the prevalence of q uh supporters within the mma wrestling worlds and what one of the uh people being interviewed said you got to realize their world is very single uh, singular it's by themselves they travel by themselves they take care of themselves i mean they're involved with whatever they got to do and they do have some people but by and large their worldview is one of if i want to succeed i gotta take it from you if i want to have triumphs I, I literally have to get into a ring i beat you to a pulp and some of that um dynamic some of that uh, worldview kind of colors their perception into believing some of the stuff that will lead them down the path towards Q. And it's, uh, look, you know, maybe that's all made up, but it's, I think it's, it makes a salient selling point about how we perceive the world and how more susceptible we are to believing some things than others. And it, it really calls to us to be cautious as to what's being said. I mean, we have the entire world at our fingertips and we can just as easily reach out and, send out a truth that connects with people on an emotional level as we can send out a lie that leads people down the down the bad path and uh, you, you know, know particularly when you have the, the bullhorn that somebody like gina has you got to be respectful of this power everybody has to decide for themselves and again this is part of what makes um america great and she's like we do have the freedom to make those choices and we can say Hey, I'm not going to shop at Hobby Lobby or I'm not going to eat at uh, Chick-fil-A or I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to do that. And so, um, you know, that's fine. Yeah, no, I, I, actually, there's two reasons not to eat at Chick-fil-A. The other one is the I'm long line that you have to sit in when I'm trying to drive <laughs> down Veterans the, you know, Boulevard. In fairness to them, they keep that line moving. Yeah, I was going to say, that's nothing compared to the lines of Popeye's uh, yesterday during Mardi Gras Day. Yeah, okay, so... They ran out of chicken. Yeah, New Orleans sold New Orleans sold Popeye's out of chicken, so... I hear that part of it had to do with the... Uh, they didn't get enough shipment in because of the weather systems, the storms. Now, Dave, so they didn't get enough replacement, but yeah, New Orleans bought out all the chicken in, in the city. Dave, you've had, you've had a Runza before, right? I have. Okay, so Runza is a food, a fast food place in uh, mainly Nebraska, um, and uh, it's a. I won't explain what it is, but anyway, on uh, in the winter time they have uh, Runza Tuesdays, whatever temperature Tuesdays, whatever the temperature is at like nine o'clock that morning, um, that's the price of your Runza. And so this past Tuesday, like the price, uh, the you know the temperature was like negative 25 not windshield but negative 25 so runzas were free and Kearney, nebraska where i used to live they there's uh one there's at least two it might be three now but there's two but they sold out of runzas 
<laughs> because you just have to buy an order of fries and you get a free runza. So yeah, that's uh, neither here nor there. But yeah, no, I, it's uh, it's the, there's the line getting back to our topic at hand is the line that uh, you know in Clerks two, when Wanda Sykes and uh, the guy who's playing her husband are at uh, earthquake yeah at, when they're at movies, and um, that's when Randall uses a racial slur and Wanda Sykes comes unglued. And she's like, no, I'm not taking this food. And her husband says, you can't taste racism. <laughs> and, you know, but it is one of those things. It's like, you know, I want to, you know, I've, I've eaten Chick-fil-A when it's free, you know, and it does taste pretty good, but I'm not going to spend my money to, you know, so those, those are the, and sometimes you, I don't know, it's like, should I feel guilty that I'm eating the free Chick-fil-A? Just like, should I feel, you know, guilty about, watching something on HBO or watching the new Harry Potter stuff that's going to come out on HBO max. When I get that for free as part of my, you know, cell subscription, we're privileged. And like, we talk about the privilege, Absolutely, you know, we talk about the privilege of being able to say, Oh, I'm not going to shop at Rouse's now, you know, when it's like somebody else, when I have a car and I can go to any grocery store I want. Yeah. Um, somebody who may not have that option. And then you got the employees there who work there too. And it's like the Chick-fil-A question is very similar because it's like we have no shortage of good food in this city. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're very spoiled. We can make those choices. We can say, oh, you know, I don't need that chicken sandwich. I'll get that chicken sandwich over here instead. Um, a lot of people live in rural communities. They don't have those options. Um, you know, it, it's complicated. It's a very complicated issue. I mean, it ultimately, um, when when you're talking about cancel culture and those kinds of things, I my, where I come down on it is, is ultimately is that I I do my best not to engage in it, um, because it's a rabbit hole. Um, I'm gonna find something awful about pretty much every individual you could ever name or any company you could ever name. And, um, if, if you're, you know, I could object to the way they do X, Y, or Z in their operation, you know, or the way they treat their employees or, you know, anything, anything. Some political Um, position they support. Right. Yeah. You know, we supported this candidate. It's like, well, yeah, they supported that candidate, but they supported this candidate over here too. You know, they're, you know, they're covering the bases. That's what companies do. Right. <laughs> they pay both political parties off so that they're covered when no matter who's in power. Um, but you know, it, you know, I, I, I mostly fall in the line of like, okay, so I try not to engage in it, but I also feel like at the end of the day, I don't feel particularly bad for people who have been warned who've been told you know we do need you to do this we need you to respect these sorts of boundaries and they can't do it um and they get let go and and that's where we're at with gina and i feel like disney was entirely justified to do what they did and um as you said earlier i'm i'm fine with whatever direction they want to take the show if they want to recast or they just want to cut her character out completely, I'm fine with either approach. But uh, I, you know, personally, I am happy that they sided with a person uh, like Pedro, 
who's inclusive over somebody like Gina who is more hateful. And that's that's just sort of where I fall on in the whole thing. Yeah, no, I think realistically looking at it, the, one of the beauties of where we live at the time that we live in is that we can express points of view that not everybody will agree with. That doesn't mean that those points of view have to be correct. That doesn't mean that those points of view have to be lauded. And that doesn't mean that those points of view don't bring consequences. We all acknowledge that part of living in the society and we live in means we're not islands. I mean, should, especially if this week has taught us anything is how interconnected we all are. You know, how dependent and desperate we are when things are looking dire and things are not looking good. We need one another for sometimes our immediate survival as is happening to folks in Texas, uh, or let's say in Oregon, or for our own mental and emotional well-being, has happened to many people throughout this city in the time and the time that we're living in. I mean, uh, I was remarking about how how important Mardi Gras is for us, just as a mechanism to keep so many people who normally fall into a seasonal level of depression or seasonal depression. Did, did you know Mardi Gras takes that away from there because you, you know, to some, it doesn't give you the time. You just, oh, here comes the, the ball and you're working in your throws and you're doing this thing or you, you know, you're working towards something. And by the time you get to the post-Mardi Gras funk, you know, mo, you know it's a, it, you have transitioned out of the seasonal depression period in some ways. But you know, not having that, we relied on those uh, connections, those friendships kind of keep us going. So I'm always going to be willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. Aaron's pointed out, you know, given the career path I've chosen, I got no choice but to be uh, open and inclusive and hopeful that people can change. So I'll hope that Gina Carano learns from her mistakes. It doesn't sound like she's ready to do that yet. From her last week when she mentioned that the rebellion's just begun. Yeah. Uh, that was her response to all this, which tells you, yeah, tells you where she's coming from. Uh, but I think it's important at this point in time to always pick the side of the people whose voices have been limited. You don't pick the side of the people who have had the mic all the time. You, you have to, you know, this is a time where you can extend to include the stories and the lives, and the points of views of people who've been on the fringes, marginalized. If anything, now it's the time to do that. And whether that's coming from a multi-corporation to just pouring billions into something because they want to get billions back or whether it's uh, within personal relationships. I think that's, that's important. That's a good point that we're at. And hopefully more people come away from looking from all this going like, you know what? She was wrong. You know, and so my final take there is two things. Um, one, there's, there's an unofficial motto to this city. We see it hanging in all the shops that you walk in, be nice or leave. You know, um, but the other thing I just want to leave you with, it, I, it also, I, I think about, like I said, Pedro Pascal sitting down with Gina Carano and taking the time to talk to her and explain to her why X, Y, or Z ain't cool or try to explain, you know, the, you know, what, what trans, you know, what trans people's, um, concerns and desires and, you know, what their life is. 
and yeah. to appeal on a personal level, right? Because so, it's he's dealing with it in his own family. But there, right. And so I, I come to that, and I, you know, so I want to say to people that you still need to engage people in conversation because people can change their minds. Because I remember growing up, where my family, my, you know, my dad and sister and brother and I, we would sit around the living room and we would eat at TV trays and we would watch CNN Crossfire. And dad always, you know, he always plays devil's advocate, you know, geez, that's where I get it from. Right. Um, but I mean, there was one time there, this was again, back in the early nineties. Um, so I may have been in college, but anyway, you know, I said, so dad, what would you say if, you know, cause the, the hot topic of that time was gay marriage. And I said, what would you do if I came home and I told you I was gay? So would you love me any less? And he says, I don't know, which is a very honest answer. And I came unglued. I said, I cannot believe that you said that. But, um, and then, so again, talking about, I said, you know what? I said, then, then I got married in 90, 96. And we were, again, the hot topic of the day was gay marriage. And we we're talking about it. And I said to my dad, I said, you know what? I said, I said, you getting divorced does more to devalue my marriage than, <laughs> than two men who love each other, or two women who love each other getting married devalues my marriage. It doesn't at all. And there was then a, a day and my dad's views have changed 180 degrees. It is clear as a bell where he is. He said, he said, you know, through conversations with you and with your wife and your sister, he said, I had no reasonable educational argument to back up what I thought. And he said, so and he, he, you know, he changed, you know, I have a friend who is who is very conservative, you know, Republican and goes and one day he, uh, you know, he said to me because we were both teachers, he said, I'm really struggling with what I hear in church because about when they're talking about um, people being gay, because I see my kids, my students, and I think, how can how can I feel that way? You know, because these are, the, like I said, these are his kids and his pastor is telling him to believe a certain way and he's struggling with that. So those interactions, those conversations, they do matter. It may be a long trudge, but it's not going to be one tweet telling somebody that they're full of crap. That ain't going to do it. You know, it's going to be multiple conversations, um, but it does, it does work. So sorry, that was a long anecdote, but um, dad doesn't listen to the podcast, so it's all right. <laughs> well, like I said, I mean, I, I just, you got to have those conversations because, and um, people like Pedro Pascal is going to, you know, those anecdotes, that's going to, that's going to change the world. So, um, yeah. all right, what's, what are we going to do next week? That's not going to be so heavy and everything. We got to do something fun. We might, uh, we'll come up with something. So, uh, um, Hey, so if you like what you're listening to, tell your friends, they can find us on about any place they can get a podcast and, uh, share it with folks. Um, Dave, I haven't noticed. Do we, is, has our levels been okay? Because one of the things that drives me nuts, I, every time I listen to a podcast in my wife's car, I have to crank the volume to like about 
um, 35 and then I forget to turn it back down. And so she plugs in her phone and it blows out the windows. Um, so I guess, <laughs> I guess what I'm saying to the listeners, if you're finding that levels or anything, you have any feedback, if we can make it a little, so you're not blowing out your windows, you know, let us know. Um, and if there's any topics you'd like to hear us, uh, kind of yammer on about, you can get us on Twitter. You can get us on Facebook. Um, let us know what you want to hear. So, but until then we will say who dat? Who dat? Who dat? It's going to be in the sixties next week, guys. So it'll be, but uh, until then, uh, have a great week. Wear your masks so we can do something on St. Patrick's day. My tongue